Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Today we have a very special patriot that's joining us tonight. I'm very honored. Um, state Representative Timothy Rantham. He is the, almost the only person in this state that's really fighting for the Wisconsinites. And not only the Wisconsinites, everyone in the country. Um, every illegal vote cancels out every legal vote and it doesn't matter what state you're in so um i respect and i honor those in other states that are pushing and fighting hard just like i honor and respect timothy and i'm glad i had a chance to meet him at the seth keschel event um it, it you know when when hope felt like it was lost and when we had a god sent patriot like timothy it helps boost the morale of the patriots like myself and for the win and, and many others. And I'm sure a lot of you that are on here, cause we all watched the Steve Bannon and, and we know about state representative Timothy Rantham. That's really fighting for us. And um, I'm just honored and I'm glad that you're on here with us. And uh, if you want to jump right into the Q and a, we, we definitely can do that. Mike's the honor's mine. And, and absolutely. I, I want to hear what the people, uh, have on their mind. I want to hear what they might need from me. If I can get them the answer, I will. If not, I will get it to them. Uh, but I will make sure, by the way, that it's truth. Everything I do and say is truth. And uh, otherwise, I don't say anything. So despite uh, certain re recent opinions lately from some of my colleagues uh, in leadership and otherwise. Go ahead. All right. Persistent is going to be doing the questions tonight. And Persistent. Okay. Well, I'll start with a question. Is that okay? Absolutely. So, Persistent, if you wanted to go um, mem or member, admin, member. But, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, thank you so much, Timothy, for joining us tonight. And I just want to tell you how amazing and grateful um, you, we are. Um, I'm down in South Carolina, but I know for the state of Wisconsin, you took an amazing step and hopefully it'll wake up other states uh, to move forward also. My question for you is, um, did you receive a lot of pushback from members in Congress? Well, persistence, I appreciate your question and thank you for joining uh, from you said North Carolina. Uh, by the way, you you reflect a lot of what's happened to me the last six months of my life. I've got uh, feedback and, and questions and major support, literally 99, if not 100% uh, nationally. Uh, it's a big deal and it really makes me feel like uh, we're doing the right thing. And anyway, it's, it's good that you qualified for being on this call. Um, so first of all, Congress would be federal. This is state and state would be the legislature. Just to get the naming uh, conventions are correct and and to your question um to be honest with you it's probably more of indifference um the the comments I've heard recently where he doesn't come to any caucuses well that's crap uh, i did miss three we don't take attendance at caucus by the way caucus is where the gop party members specifically meet in a room it happens to be the largest room in the capital it's called the grand army of the republic and very rarely, if ever, we have 61 members in caucus. So every meeting, we don't have full representation, item number one. Item number two, a lot of people come in late and leave early. Item number three, they don't ever give you any information if you miss 
going there. So it, to me, it begs the question, if there's a value of being in caucus, where's the follow-up, where's the communication to ensure that you're you're still continuing on as, as part of the team if you physically can't make it? There is not none of that effort, by the way. And lastly, if, to the point about not being in caucus and, and touching on your question, uh, I had three that I missed uh, within probably the last three months, maybe four, and and two of them were by choice. One time I was in the Capitol building, but I was working on an election integrity matter. I believe it was press, re press release related, and I really needed to get the data so I could get the information out to the people, and I could not leave my office. I was in my office in the Capitol, but I couldn't go to the meeting. The other one, I was at home, and I could not get there uh, on that particular day or in time for the meeting. And then the third one, I couldn't physically go to because I'm also a seated school board member for the Kewaskum School District and I'm policy chair for the policy committee. And twice a year we have our, our vendor, Neola, who processes uh, updates to all of the policies we have for the school district and they do this dump, like 60, 70, sometimes 80 policies we have to review the night before the board meeting to vet them out to make sure that they're right and that we can accept them and approve them the next night at the board meeting. So I, I'm locked in a Wednesday night, six o'clock. I got, or actually it's 5.15. I gotta be at the policy meeting to do this twice a year. And, and one particular night on a Wednesday, they had a caucus meeting and I even told some people I have to do my school board thing. And they all know I'm a school board member. So I brought that up to, to actually get to your point. At no uh, time along the way, was there any desire to talk about election integrity? The comment was discussed occasionally toward the latter months of the year because it was getting heated. Um, I was involved in it, uh, Chairman, Chairperson Branchin was involved in it. You've got some activity with the special counsel, which does not have any tangible data I can report on or discuss at this time, because I have no idea what it's, what's, what it's doing. But you've got the Patriot groups, you've got the grassroots groups, you've got people delving into data and getting information. But along the way, in my opinion, the members of my my colleagues, all both both houses, the, the assembly and the Senate, did not engage to the level that I did. And I did because I made a conscious decision to say, this is a critical matter. This is an assault on our constitution. This is a national security issue for our nation. And if we don't rectify the problems that are reflected in the activities of November of 2020, we're gonna lose our republic. And I could see that it was a problem that was not gonna go away. And I could see that it was something we had to rectify. We truly were in trouble as a nation. And I wasn't gonna let that happen on my watch. So I engaged, again, I'm not a chair, I'm not the speaker, I'm not the governor. I'm an, uh, an uh, average or normal member or simple member, like majority of the members are, right? But I have an abnormal desire to go after injustice and, and get fact and, and get truth so I can get closure. And then I move on to the next one and I do the same thing. So it's decision, uh, debate, action, closure, what's next, right? And along the way, again, to your question, patience, um, I, I uh, was never pulled aside to say, hey, what's going on? It sounds like what you're doing is interesting. I had been putting out press releases. I had been putting out rampant reports and nobody ever gave a crap, to be honest with you, until you know the crap hit the fan with constituents mad at them because they weren't doing what I was doing. And then they blamed me for the constituents being mad at them because I, I was talking to their constituents because they asked me to talk to them. And I said, well, why? Why don't you talk to your rep? Well, they don't, they don't come talk to us or they don't tell us what we, what we need to hear and they don't tell us what you know. So we need you to come and tell us. And I'm like, well, I'm a servant. I'm a representative of buying for the people. And yes, it's not my district, 
but you you do live in my state and the actions I take in Madison within the 59th as a voter of the assembly body affects the state. So in my my perspective, in my opinion, I should be able to talk to anybody in the state. And by the way, so should they. And if they want to come into the 59th and talk to my people, go right ahead. And if you want to try to throw uh, me under the bus in front of my people, you'd be better you better be ready to get run out of town on a rail because the people in the 59th adore what I do and they help support what I do. And uh, I don't have any problem with my, my people. In fact, I don't have a problem with pretty much all of the districts in the state, to be bluntly honest with you. I've even spoken to some groups in some Democratic districts, and they like what I'm doing as well. So there, there's people that have principle everywhere. It doesn't have to be just Republicans, right? Anyway, a very, very scenic answer to your question, but uh, more more indifference lately, pushback, absolutely. Um, you know, taking my staffer away because we, you know, you're over the target and you're dropping your ordinance right on the on the origin of obstruction, and that and that turned into a little bit of an effect that uh, resulted in an action to um, retaliate. And so now it's not so much pushback; it's it's retaliation and censorship. And you know, I I, I put a stop on the Rampton reports for now because I want to make sure that I don't give anyone any excuse to attack me for any reason, period. You know, whether it's uh, state resources or some other uh, fabricated uh, reason to, to deflect away from the injustice that's emanating out of leadership and to attack me for something just to discredit me. Because that's what all this is about. It's all the psychology of name calling now, and bold lies and, and uh, misinformation and all this kind of junk. I don't, uh, I don't speak mistruth. I don't speak um, false data. I, I back everything up I have with data. So. I uh, and I'll continue to be that way. So again, a very scenic answer, but thank you for the question. Next, yes, um, Summer, can you join us? Your mic. Summer, oh. hello. Wait, Summer. Hello. Yes, go ahead with your question. Oh, sorry. Okay, so. Um, I just, it's not really a question. It's more of just a, a statement, I guess. Um, basically I just wanted to say thank you again for everything you're doing for us. Um, we actually had our caucus last night in Walworth County and we modeled and mimicked your resolution and, um, we put it to vote and we were able to pass. Um, it was hard. It was hard because we got a lot of rhinos in our Republican party there um but we got them to pass it um for the uh resolution to decertify to call the legislators to decertify and to um do the full forensic audit so hopefully you'll hear from our district um representative who when i had asked i had um basically been fighting with everybody asking who had actually read ajr 120 and uh, looked around the room and my representative and my senator had their hands down and I said, I know you two have it, so you best read it. <laughs> so I just wanted to let you know we're fighting for you in um, Walworth County. Walworth County, you said? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, heard, I heard that that had passed last night. Thank you very much for that, Summer. Um, and I would tell yes. you that, I would tell you that to, to, to the previous question regarding pushback, the reaction from your legislators in that room at that time reflects my answer. It's this indifference. It's it's they're told by leadership to not engage, to don't worry about it. It's not going anywhere. Don't sign on to it. We're going to bury it in whatever. You know, I uh, 
it, it's a shame because uh, we have a chance to make history and do the right thing for our republic. And I guess fear uh, rules the day. I don't know what their reasons are, but they should be telling the people why they're indifferent. They should be telling them why they're not engaged. Uh, I can only I can only speculate, and I really don't want to do that because that gets into the personnel side and the name calling, and I don't want to do that. They do that of me, but I'm trying really hard not to do that of them. I'm focused yeah. on mechanics. I'm focused on mechanics. I'm focused on execution, and I want the process tight. And I want the, the the routines qualified so that we don't have cracks, we don't have um, errors, and we don't have fraud. So I uh, appreciate what you said. And um, next time you're in the room with them, ask them to qualify their position. I re they really need to tell you. That's the job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even our, um, you know, our chair was trying to tell us, oh, I really don't think we should pass this. We have no evidence. And I said, if you read it, you would know, but you haven't read it. And you haven't been watching since November 3rd, like the ones who are concerned have been, you know, they talk about election integrity and, you know, um, voter ID and all of these things, but they keep saying, let's look forward to the next election. And yeah. it's like, you know, we want to know that our vote counted. We want to know that, uh, well, you know, and just the fact that, you know, constitutionally speaking, you know, like you said, you're our servants. The people yep. tell you what we want. And I mean, we've pretty much told our representatives what we want. And you were the only one who came to that call. So I just, like I said, I really thank you for everything you're doing. Well, let me, and, leave, um, you more, let me leave you with one more talking point, please. Um, I'll tell you, it's very concerning to hear you say this because it qualifies without question, not only the indifference, but the inaction. I would strongly recommend to you and anyone listening that you go back to your legislators and you tell them to look at three things, four if it, if it includes my data, but let's just do the three. March 10th campaign elections committee hearing with Janelle Branchin in the Capitol talking about the Green Bay election with Eric Ferdow. March 10th, okay? That's item number one. Item number two, the September 9th Wisconsin Elections Commission hearing that was put on video, the entire hearing. It talked about machines, ES&S coming in and doing upgrades to the machines, and it qualified that the log file data is wiped out when they replace the image with the new image. That is destroying forensic data on the machines that were involved in the election of 2020. Item number last, December 8th, campaign elections, General Branchin had another fantastic hearing where she had three speakers come in. Uh, Jeff O'Donnell, uh, Dr. Douglas Frank, and Eric Cardall again came back. All three of those gentlemen spoke at three different uh, areas or elements of our elections process that is incredibly revealing, that shows without a question, controlled, centrally controlled voter list activity and anomalies in the numbers that are statistically impossible to reach unless you cheat. And the last one was regarding election bribery, which is statute 12.11 that was violated by the Wisconsin um, Elections Commission. And or more, actually, I should say that the Wisconsin Election Commission violated 16 laws. I believe 12.11 was more in the bribery element of the uh, mayors uh, for Racine and, and Kenosha and, and Brown County and all that uh, regarding the money they took from Zuckerberg in order to pull off some of the stuff they did. So those three things alone, plus my data by the way, which encapsulates a lot of not only the press release along press releases along the way, but the, the resolution data, the clause data that qualifies the language, and then the constitutional attorney support. There is no other conclusion you can come to if you just look at those four things.
I would suspect it would take an individual four hours to address four things that can help them get to a yes to do the right thing for our, our state and our nation. If they choose not to do that, that's a whole nother conversation that's beyond the pale. And it certainly doesn't tie to the point, which is our election integrity. It's something different. And I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say to that. So I, I, I continue to pray for them. I hope that they would see the light. And uh, that's why we named the program Let There Be Light, because we wanted to shine the light of truth onto this issue. So anyway, again, a long answer, but thank you, Summer, for your comments. Next. Thank you. Uh, so next we have For the Win from Wisconsin. For the Win. Skip me for now. I'm making dinner. I'll go towards the end, though. Okay. What are we so talking? we'll go with um, An Angie. Do you have a question, Angie? I don't have anything at this time. Thank you. Uh, okay. We'll go uh, to... Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I don't have anything. Okay. Let's go to Farm Wife. Uh, oh, it looks like she dropped off. Let's go to uh, Cookie 40. That's a cookie. A cookie, a cookie, right? Hi, can you hear me? A cook. Yes, yep. go ahead. Hi, hi, Representative Ramson. This is hi. Angie from This is Angie from Rhode Island. I've been speaking to you on a uh, messenger. Yes. <laughs> um so um I have an opportunity to meet with um my Republican reps on Saturday and I am going to bring your slides. Um I just have a question though. Um when um my governor um he ha he um put a executive orders in place for um COVID funding and some of that funding was put toward um the elections and I'm trying to figure out if that covers the the funding we received from the nonprofits like the CTCL and the CEIR. Uh, I did see that recent question you had sent to me as well. I'm not sure how that applies to Wisconsin. I don't know if it's nationally or or not. I, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit lean on the detail, but I think to inquire as to the source and to mm -hmm. the effect of the source, I think it's a very prudent answer because you've got multiple um, federal agencies involved in this process as well that, um, I think is is part of it. I know Rhode Island, the smallest state in the country, right? Mm -hmm. You have you have concerns with the same elements that we do here: CTCL, CEIR, NCSL. Um, they're 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 national. It's everywhere. So right, uh, and I do have proof that we did receive the um, the grant. Um, okay. So um, and we also received the have a uh, grant. So I, I noticed that we were, were not supposed to um, receive private funding once you receive the HAVA grant. Does that sound right? That sounds right, but again, I'm not real sure, but go ahead. Okay, so, um, I, you know, I, I do see that we're kind of like, uh, you know, double dipping in, in grants here um, with the private funding we received and the federal funding. And it looks like that, it looks like we might have received the nonprofit grants 
and use that money to pay the matching grant for the federal have a fund. So it sure it sure sounds like you've connected the dots on that probability. So I, I guess I would, yeah, it sounds like that's that's correct. Yeah, and then another thing too is that uh, I believe my state legislature is supposed to approve this funding, and um, I don't see anywhere that 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 they approved uh, the the private funding. Okay, yeah, so to, non- to to that point, I would tell you find the statute that qualifies your statement or find the rules in your assembly or Senate uh, rule manual that qualifies that statement. Don't just make that comment subjectively. You've got to back it up with data. Otherwise you're going to have a hard time um, getting attention and a hard time getting an answer. And then they'll accuse you of being a conspiracy theorist because you don't have data. So I think the question, very prudent question and you're probably spot on, but back it up and and use Um, the law, use the law. Right, and the thing I did didn't find um, in in our um, uh, Title Seventeen under the statutes, it does say. Um, but the only thing I can find is about the voter databases, uh, the voter database registration and stuff like that, uh, where it says it has to. They you have to use federal funds for uh, when it comes to that stuff. But I couldn't really find anything you know, uh, in general with general elections, but I I will look more into that. Keep me posted with your messages. Thank you so much. And next we have, um, farm wife is, is on. Literally, literally, you're literally a farm wife. In Wisconsin too. Yeah, well, that's salt of the earth, man. You're my new best friend. What can I do for you tonight? <laughs> well, I'm I'm honored. Um, you're my new best friend, also. Um, I just obviously, like everyone else, I want to tell you tell you thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, I also wonder, um, as patriots, as I guess Republicans, conservatives. Um, in the normal spectrum and on these chats and different places that I, I kind of hang out with here, our overall view of, um, of how we will vote in the future really depends on what the person or the candidate or whoever it is, is doing about the 2020 elections and the fraud. And I'm just wondering on your end of it, do the Republicans in our um wisconsin you know in wisconsin do they realize that that's what we're basing our votes on and do they know that if they are not addressing this they are not going to get our votes well thank you very much for the question it's very well timed Uh, i saw a flash of an interview that outgoing majority leader jim steinecke had recently done within the last day or so and uh, he says very clearly in there fringe groups all this noise about the election are all fringe groups oh and and well you asked and i'm i'm telling you i know it's it's public record so you know i I think there's an there's a belief that uh, it's a minority group uh they're fringe they wear tinfoil hats and uh, they don't matter. That's what I think they think. I don't think that every single person 
has value. Every single person has a merit to their purpose. And if they have a question, it deserves and respect and it deserves an answer. And, and to explain your position as a representative of the people, whether you're in the Senate or the assembly, you're a representative of the people, you're elected in a public office, you owe it to them. It's a dutiful obligation to serve them and to give them an answer. Even if it's one they don't like, you've got to give them a reason for your position as someone who represents, in my case, 59,000 people in the 59th Assembly District. When they don't do that and they write you off as irrelevant or fringe or, or radical, uh, it, it's it's an it's an insult. It ju it just is, and and it's not what I signed up for in this job. I will never do that. I won't treat people that way. That's why when I'm asked to travel the state, I go because they demand me to be there for them, and that's why I go for them. It's not mm -hmm. for me. I don't care what I don't care what happens to me. I'm desperate to do the job of service, not desperate to keep it. And that's another thing about me that's different. It doesn't matter what happens to me, good and bad, or or, or or ugly, it doesn't matter. What matters is while I'm here in the role to serve and time is an enemy for us all. So, sense of urgency is a big thing for me personally and in my professional life. You don't have time to waste in life. And when you're in a position of authority and responsibility and dutiful obligation, it's your, it's, it's, it's your necessity to deliver on those things. So they, they, uh, I don't think they get it. And uh, farmer, I, I'm glad you asked the question. Thank you. Okay. Next we have uh, give me Liberty. Ooh, another new friend. <laughs> give me Liberty. You just need to press your uh, blue button to talk. Oh, sorry about that. Thanks for letting me speak. Um, Sure. Representative Rantham, we met in Waterford that night that Seth Keschel was there. I don't know if you remember me, but um, I likened you to George Washington um, because that's the way I see it. And I just, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. I know God is working in you and through you with this. And um, I just, I wish we had more fighters like you, but. Um, but thank you for all that you're doing. Um, you know, you talk about the, the fringe, the word fringe is used. You know, that word is right out of the commie playbook. It's the word that Trudeau used in Canada uh, uh, to describe the truckers. They know, they know, but they're they're not going to admit that they know that the election was stolen. And I don't know what we do about that. I mean, that's that's a, a Red Sea parting that, that God needs to do and we need to do our part and, and we need to pray. But um, I am in Kenosha and I'm just wondering if there's like one simple action item you can give me. I don't have a boatload of time on my hands, but what would you suggest I do to try to make a difference in fighting this fight to regarding the November 3rd, 20 election? Well, it's, it's twofold, my answer. Um, not in particular order. The resolution is in front of the chairperson for rules, the Assembly Committee on Rules, that's Jim Steinecke. 
this committee normally does not meet for anything other than an executive session, which is the the voting element of the committee process, usually the second stage. Uh, you have your hearings, informational or public, and then you have your second stage e executive, which passes a bill through for consideration for the floor or not. Maybe it doesn't pass committee and then it dies in committee. Um, I think the committee should be um, brought to the to the conclusion by the public that they need to have a hearing on this bill, even though it's not standard process for them, maybe it should be. And I think in a time of unprecedented historic uh, times, they should make an exception and have hearing on this. And I, as I put in my, my press release that I sent out today, and I asked the uh, the majority leader last week when I challenged his, his source for truth, which did not give me the answer, I also suggested he has a hearing. That would be what we need to address the resolution. The other piece I think should be take the information from my site, the PowerPoint 71 slides and the and the resolution, and insist on a sit-down meeting with your representatives, with your with your legislators. They really need to answer you as to why they, they have to they they continue to be a no on this, why they continue to not want to support it. And the answer can't be because leadership told us. What's what's in their heart? What's in their head? Where, where are they coming from individually as a person regarding this matter, this one single matter? Take everything else out of it. Just talk about this one thing. That's the conversation you got to have with them. And so those are, those are the two things you can do. Put pressure on the rules committee chair and the, and the committee itself to have a hearing and make sure you have a sit down with your representative and your, your senator to talk about explaining why they can't be a, a supportive of this resolution. It truly is the right thing to do. It's legally constitutional and uh, there's no excuses unless you allow for them. And I don't allow for them, so thank you. And next will be N. N, all you have to do is tap your blue button. Thank you. Representative Ransom, I wanna thank you so much. Um, I am from Wisconsin and uh, you are one of the few representatives that I call, you're not in my district. Um, my uh, representative would probably wanna walk half the people off the plank because she's a Nazi Gazapo person. Um, so I really thank you for that and being a, just a, a human being um, instead of a World War II person. Um, uh, well, thank you. I, I want to acknowledge that real quick. I signed up to serve. I do this for the people, not for myself. The the it, it, you know when you engage in this role and and take in the elements to learn so you can be informed and do the right thing. It's a lot of work, and when you take on a controversial issue. It, it's compounded by a factor of, I don't know, a thousand or 10,000. It's, it's a, a ton of work, but I chose to do that. And I continue to do it because it's the right thing to do for the people. Otherwise, I should get out of the seat because then I'm not doing anything but a disservice. So I don't see any other way to do it. And that's what I don't understand about my colleagues. There's really only one way to do this and it's of by and for the people. So, and your second point, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off there, but. No, that's okay. Um, I guess I had a a couple questions. So, the when you were, at, I had watched a follow-up video with you with Steve Bannon, and in that interview with Bannon, it you had mentioned to him that you were told to bring up the decertification portion during a AB what seven forty three, and Gateway Pundit did like it was like a, a clickbait piece. Oh, I, I, I was, love it. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Thank you for asking. Can I step in real quick here? Yeah. Okay, so on, on the on the floor, the floor session was last Tuesday the 25th. And we were about 
two thirds, three quarters of the way through the calendar, which is the agenda for the night, there's uh, elements one through 15. One is call it the order and 15 is adjourn and everything in between is the activity of, of legality for bills and, and messaging and, and all that stuff. Well, we were getting two thirds of the way through the process and I picked a time when I wanted to push my speak button to get up and speak. And I thought to myself, okay, so now we're blowing through all these bills and there's a few more bills to come and I don't see a place where I can really jump in here to not cause confusion. So I called the presiding officer's desk two minutes before I pushed my speak button, button to ask the question, can I push my speak button between bills so I can speak between bills to avoid confusion? And he said, no, we go from one bill to the next. You just push it and you can speak at any time. And we, we deflect away from the, the business at hand. We take care of your reason for speaking. And then we go back to the business as usual, which is the way it flows. That's parliamentary procedure and process. And I know that, but I was apprehensive about doing it to create confusion. Well, I didn't have a choice. I had the vision enough to ask the question to try to prevent the confusion, but I wasn't allowed the opportunity to prevent it by asking between. So I hit my button after AB 743 had started to be uh, read, if you would, and, and acknowledged for a third reading. And then you get your discussion and debate if you want to talk about it. And then you move to passage. Well, the discussion and debate element came up and, and that's when he and he looked at me. This, the presiding officer who was the speaker pro temp kind of put his head down and, and tipped his eyes up like, well, you're going to push your button. So I pushed my button and then I, I jumped in and I started to talk and I read the rule for allowing me to get up and present a privileged resolution to the floor. Um, and then I took the physical resolution to them, which is required by rule and, and all on the up and up, all on the up and up. I did it by the book and uh, surprised them. It surprised them. And uh, then they're all looking at it and kind of frantically figuring out what's going on here and what's this all about and did he do it right? And and I, to be honest with you guys, I thought for sure they were gonna say it wasn't a privileged resolution, which would have killed it. And they, the, 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 the presiding officer said, Mr. Chief Clerk, is the resolution has presented to me? Yes, it has. Uh, is this a privileged resolution? And the chief clerk said, yes, it is. I almost fell out of my chair, to be honest with you. That's about tipped over because I thought for sure they were going to say it wasn't. Well, then he immediately moved per rules, rule 43, uh, that's the presiding officer moved to appoint that bill a number and put it into the rules committee, which is basically the exact place I wanted it because that's the last committee that all bills go to before they're considered to be put on the floor to be acted upon. He could have moved to take it up at that time, but he chose to move it to committee. Well, then they went right back to talking about 743 and I pushed my speak button again because I wanted to ask for it to be, I was going to put a motion in to ask for it to be uh, withdrawn from the rules committee and taken up at that time, which is a motion that requires two thirds vote. So two thirds of the members would have had to say, yeah, we're okay with taking it up right now. Or they could say, no, we're not okay with taking it up right now. It doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't support the bill. They just didn't want to take it up at that time, but it never got to that because I got yelled at by the majority leaders and we're not gonna do that right now. And then the, uh, the presiding officer said, we're on the 10th order of business and we don't do that right now. And the answer to that point, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is the 12th order of business is the time on the agenda that you should take up this type of motion, this type of action, this type of member request, but we never go to the 12th order of business. Now, that's a whole nother conversation and, and that's something I'm looking into, but you've got a, a calendar entry or an agenda item uh, for a governance body meeting, official governing body meeting, and you don't go to it. Now I'm a school board member 
and every element on the agenda is touched, whether there's something in that uh, point or not. And if there's nothing in there, you just move on. If there's something in there you don't want to discuss or can't, you move to table it, but you don't skip it, right? But we skipped number 12. We never talked about it. So I wasn't able to readdress it that, that evening. But there's some things I need to look into because I was in the process of doing a motion and I was cut off and I don't think that's right. And I also uh, would like to know how you can put something on an agenda and it's not adhered to in a formal governance meeting. So the confusion, when I went back to watch the video, I got what happened to gay other people longing for this. It almost got done the right way, but they diverted it to the rules committee and people thought we were still on my petition, my, my resolution rather, and, and they were actually voting on AB 743. So it's a, it's a, a real quick switch, and if you know what to look for, you can see it. But if you don't know what to look for, I can understand the confusion. It's very unfortunate that the um, euphoria uh, in in our state wanted to see something like this done, and and people really thought it had happened, and they were just jubilant, you know, and celebrating. And by the way, that's another message. Instead of criticizing Gateway Pundit or anybody else for putting out miscommunication, you should have looked at well, why are they so happy. They're happy because they wanted something to have to happen and they thought it did. That's a huge message for them. And I don't think any of them picked it up either. They were too busy criticizing the misinformation factor, but that's what happened. I tried to prevent it. I, I wasn't given the latitude to do it. I saw it coming, tried to stop. It didn't happen. Um, there was another way to do it. We'll work on it. But I th ultimately think if the, if the chair has a, a hearing on the bill, that'll answer the questions on the bill and we won't have to pull any more stuff on the floor, but stay tuned for coming attractions. You never know what's going to happen next. I'm ready. Thank you for the question, by the way. Carol cross. Hello, Go ahead, Carol. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm so happy. Carol, I should be twins. <laughs> um, I am from Wisconsin. I'm in Polk County. Um, I actually tried to get a hold of our sheriff today. Um, he talks about, you know, um, that he's a constitutional sheriff. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to get a hold of him today, but I'm still going to keep trying. Um, so my understanding, if I'm correct, is we need a constitutional sheriff to start making arrests. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure how to answer that. In what county? Like Racine County, where we already have, um, well, we already had an investigation and we had data turned over to the district attorney, which I don't know why it's not moving. I don't understand uh, what you physically mean otherwise. You mean constitutional sheriffs all over the state? Well, my understanding is that if you have one constitutional sheriff to make that that he can go into any county in the state and make arrests. I I'm, guess I'm the not... problem that we're running into is the d district attorneys who are not pushing it forward as far as actually prosecuting these people. Well, I that the latter point could be accurate. I know the district attorney in Fond du Lac County, who is also running for attorney general, I believe, has been on public record saying that my question about reclaiming the ten electors is not constitutional. So perhaps if a district attorney feels it's not um, the right thing to do, maybe that's why they're not moving on it. But as far as your constitutional sheriff uh, comment, Carol, I, that's a jurisdictional thing, and I don't really have any opinion on that. That's a that's a new one for me. I, I have no comment on that. 
Okay, thank you. Okay, next we have uh, John Matthew. John. Go ahead, John. Yeah, thank you for taking my question. Um, so I know we have limited time and <clears throat> without getting too in depth with my specific situation, I guess. Um, it it really is is a shame. I, I live in Waukesha County and um, it seems at one point in time, uh, you know, forgive my language, but all hell broke loose and everybody just forgot about the law. They completely fell to the wayside. And I'm talking from from the bottom up. And it, it's really unfortunate. Um, I myself have been dealing with uh, some quite unfortunate circumstances in the court system for you know, the last 14 months, give or take. And <clears throat> it's, it's a matter of um, politics rather than the Constitution and for the people. Um, I, for, you know, I, I guess I first want to say thank you for, you know, really nailing that on the head because I think a lot of us need to remember what this is about with the people and, you know, um, mm -hmm. our, our elected officials, they, they are our employees as people. And if, if things are not right, action needs to be taken. Well, I have taken every form of action I could possibly think of all the way I mean, to the president, Ron Johnson, I mean, the FBI, DOJ, all for everyone to turn a blind eye. Now, <clears throat> what happens in a situation when the courts refuse to acknowledge fraud upon the court and they don't recuse themselves and the sheriffs, the local police departments um, completely ignore everything and you're left with limited, if no other option, than just to create your own public record, so to say, and, um, you know, call out the crimes that they've committed against us. So my question to you, sir, is what do you suggest that anyone can do, including myself, to where we've been completely uh, ignored, our voices have been squashed, and uh, just you know, misjustice, to say at the very least, has been done to us. Where do we go? What do we do? What is the best option at that point? Well, I'm sorry to hear that you have that dismay in your life. And I know there's probably people in public service that could be helping with that, but they're not. I don't know if you've given them the chance. What I mean at, at, at the at the local level more so. I think you need to start out with people who can help you within the county. And then perhaps you should make sure that you've spoken with your representative and your senator within your district for the Waukesha area. And that would be where I would suggest to start. I, I, I need them to tell you the answer you seek. I've, I've got an answer. And if I was your rep, you'd see action coming from speaking with me because I would want to help you resolve your situation and to get your confidence back in our government. But I can't work for all the other 98 reps. You've got to exhaust your options with them. That's what they're there for. We we have, I've heard complaint from people saying, oh, they don't do nothing, they sit around and collect a paycheck. Well, make them earn it. Make them earn it. 
get in get into the, to their their physical space literally you you call their offices in whether it's county or, or state and you ask for time personal time sit down time face to face time not over the phone or certainly not through email and and you go have a conversation i i don't know how anyone who signed up to serve won't want to listen to that to try to do something about it so i went would implore upon you to try that at least you exhaust those options and then you just escalate higher because that's what I do, what happens in the private sector in my four and a half decades of working in, in private sector. I was usually where the service delivery element was operations, technology, uh, network management, the, the distribution of products and services, right? So if anything ever broke, uh, you know, supervisors or, or, or leads would, would get the original escalation. But if they wouldn't get satisfied, the customer was not satisfied with those lower levels, it would get to me. And the buck always stopped with me and, and I would always get things resolved and I would take the education back to train the lower levels so we could mitigate problems earlier in the process. You need to do the same thing with your public officials. You start at the lower level and you escalate to them and you work with them. And if you get unsatisfied response, you escalate up the chain and you get everybody involved. And pretty soon they're all talking about it because you're making sure that they are. And then something may get done. It takes a little time, but. I'm sorry, Matthew, that's what they're, or John rather, uh, that's what they're in the job, the role for, and you gotta make them, you gotta make them earn it. That would be my scenic answer to your question. I'm sorry for being winded, but uh, I wanna help you myself, but I, I really can't until you get to a point where you exhaust, and then maybe I will, but you gotta, you gotta do that for me first, otherwise I can't. Cause then I'll get accused of, you know, doing squatting in their district and then get yelled at for that, even though I'm trying to help you, that'll be a big deal, so, okay? John Matthew, um, I'm the owner of this channel, and I'd like to say I'm a Waukesha resident as well. So um, I'll definitely love to connect with you. You need any help? Um, reach out to me, and uh, thank you for joining us. And next we have Krangus McBasketball. Krangus, hello. Hi. That's a Krangus McBasketball. Krangus. Yeah. Krangus yeah. McBasketball. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm a fan of um, impractical jokers, I have to admit. Um, anyways, um, Representative Ramtham, thank you so much for doing this. How many representatives actually do this stuff? I mean, that's pretty awesome what you're doing. Um, I'm actually one of your neighbors. I'm not in your district, sadly, but I'm in Slinger area. And um, I just want to let to what you said about um, Representative Steinecke's letter. Um, calling people like us the fringe group. Just so you know, my local senator said that he's never had more contact to his office on any other topic than election integrity in his entire time serving le the legislature. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> and, yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, um, so that's, it's definitely not a fringe thing. Um, and my question for you is, I have like nine questions, but I'm just going to ask how much, how, how much feedback have you received from the people? And at this point, are the reps um, arguing more about the fraud still, or are they more on the constitutional path? Like what's the bigger, bigger issue right now? Because I'm so, I've seen enough evidence at this point that there was enough fraud to overturn the election. So I'm just wondering, are the are representatives still arguing with you about the fraud or are they actually arguing with you about the constitutional path? 
Well, I, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, your first part was, what are the people saying? Um, within my district, within my state, or within my country? There's three different answers. Well, actually, they're all the same. Overwhelming support across the board, everywhere. It blows me away. It literally does. I am so humbled. I get voicemails. I get calls to my phone. I get text messages. I get messenger messages. I get emails. We we took four days in my office prior to losing 67% uh, of my staffing. One uh, Three or four weeks ago, we took a snapshot. Four days. We had a three-inch binder, single-page emails from people extending their gratitude to me in my office from all over the country and it was I couldn't close it it was one of those deals where you know it's a three inch on the back or four inch four inch on the back side within four days the 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 cover would not lay down it wouldn't lay parallel to the other piece it was going up the other way like a ski slope I couldn't even close it in four days okay that's the answer to your first question the second one was um, I think it's more of a constitutional question now because I'm seeing it was very clear in the response from the, the majority leader when he sent back uh, the regurgitated copy of the legislative council memo. Hang on a second. I got a clock ring in here and I didn't want to drone myself out. Um, the, you're right. The evidence is clear. People who say, show me the evidence, by the way, that's what they were doing last summer. So I was pushing for a forensic audits, full uh, forensic physical cyber audit. That started running off the clock. That's when I switched gears in October and said, let's do the reclaiming piece because something better get done because we're running out of time. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're running the clock out. So let's do something tangible and pull back our ballots. The, the evidence is there. It's everywhere. And even if you don't want to see it, it's there, right? So now it comes down to the constitutionality of it. And when and when Steinecke said, excuse me, Representative Steinecke said, after the last week's floor session, um, not not legal. It, you know, it's illegal and unconstitutional. Which, by the way, is a poor use of words. No one ever said illegal. They said not valid, but they never said illegal. But he just says that to you know, dump gas on it. But um, unconstitutional is wrong because my four constitutional attorneys and my three constitutional experts all disagreed with Ledge Council and LRB and says it is, and the mechanism is the resolution. So it has merit, it has standing, it has legal precedence, has plenary rights within the constitution. You can do it. They're hiding behind the Ledge Council's memo from November 2nd or 3rd that Senator Bernier orchestrated with Ledge Council to basically say the question shouldn't be asked. Uh, they were wrong then and they're wrong now. So the issue is constitutional based. And that's why I said to Steinecke, excuse me, Representative Steinecke today, he, I reminded him again in my pre press release that went out, he needs to have a hearing and pull these people into a room. The Ledge Council and LRB folks should come in and the seven constitutional representatives uh, uh, and their opinion should come in and have a discussion and come to the truth. And when we know what the truth is, that results. And for me personally, if I went, when I went out, okay, I got the, the sequence. It's a great question. The sequence was, I asked the question, they came back with the attorneys, they all hid behind it. And I said, oh, okay, now it's going to be tit for tat. I've got Matt DiPerno says yes. And you're saying Ledge Council and LRB says no. Okay, I got to go back and find some more attorneys. And if I would have found any more attorneys that would have agreed with LRB or Ledge Council, ladies and gentlemen, 
I would not have pushed this. It would have been over because those attorneys would have said, well, you know, alleged counsels, you know, yeah, they're right. And or other, yep, yeah, they're right. You know, Matt DiPerno, yeah, he's got a good point, but no, that's not quite right. They didn't do that. They agreed with uh, with the, uh, her attorney, Matt DiPerno from Michigan. And so, and he's part of the seven, by the way. So seven people in unison said, the other two are wrong. That's why we've got this problem. So it's constitutional based, it was a great question. And that's what we need to poke going forward. And regardless of what happens to the session, I'm gonna be real honest with you guys. I'm trying my best to get this on the floor and get it done. Representative Steinigke owns that, he can do it at the snap of his fingers. It'll be his legacy if he doesn't. It'll be his legacy if he does. But if it doesn't get done before the session ends in the next few weeks, um, it doesn't mean it's over. We got the whole calendar here to, to do something with this thing. And there's always options, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be looking for them and I'll apply them. And I don't care what's going on. Uh, we got to take care of the people. So I'll keep poking this thing. Thank you for your question. Great. Next we have David. Go ahead, David. Just tap the blue button to unmute. David? I hope I didn't put him to sleep. <laughs> it looks like his mic is open. Yeah. David? He stepped away. Going once. Going twice, sold. Okay, so we'll go um, to, is there any admin that would like to ask a question before I do the rest of the people in the queue? Yeah, I'll, I'll ask one here while we're at this juncture. So kind of like what you were just saying there, um, you said this calendar year. Now we have a kind of like a clock going for 22 months and I believe that would be up in September. Does after September concern you at all? Great question. Uh, the September 4th of 2022 date specifically is the time frame for all data relative to the election to be um, deletable. So the, the law requires we retain records from elections from ballot as well as anything else for 22 months. That date is September 4th of 2022. Doesn't have anything to do with the resolution to reclaim electors. It has everything to do with investigations and audits. So if we're not going to be doing any audits or investigations, um, that those are going to be dead by the, by September because the data is going to be gone. And I think the data on the machines, the log file data on the hard drives, I brought this to, to light in front of the special counsel on August 11th at 1236 p.m., by the way. Yes, I was watching the clock. And, and where we we realized that the Dominion systems at that time, Dominion and perhaps others machines, which it came to fruition, can upgrade their images and wipe out the log file data. The ballot data is pulled off on thumb drives and that's separate. I wasn't concerned about the ballot data. I don't care about the ballot data, at least for the moment. Yes, it would be good to have for canvassing and reconciling envelopes and you know early voting and mail-in voting and, and, and voterless votes to make sure they're not ghost ballots. But I was focused on the log file data because I wanted to, to see what the machine captured for access to the machine. IP address, date and time, location of, of access point, was it a cell phone? Was it someplace, you know, across 
the water to overseas, perhaps, who knows, right? These, these machines have modems, have routers in them. They are accessible to the internet. I don't care what anybody says. I've seen it, I know it. There's no question, they're accessible to the internet. And, and when they were upgrading the, the images on these log files, you replace the image with a new image, you're wiping out all the data that was on it, including that, that forensic data. So th that data is already gone, in my opinion. Dominion's got most of their machines, if not already scrubbed. ESNS was told on September 9th they can only do new machines, not old. No guarantee on that. I suspect those are all trash as well. And nobody seemed to lift a finger to get that done. And I poked it as hard as I could and asked for it to get done, but I wasn't in a position to execute it. I wasn't special counsel. I wasn't speaker. It didn't get done. And that's a shame because it's a disservice to the people and it helped perpetuate the cover up for the fraud that I believe happened using the machines. That's my public opinion. Thank you very much. So to add to that as well, too, um, like we've seen in Arizona and other states where, um, like the routers, for example, it took them months to be able to finally turn over that information. Is there information like that here in Wisconsin that we're waiting for or we want to compel these people to be able to obtain? And is there any kind of a clause of like time of the essence to be able to get them to act on these things because of how we've seen them drag their feet in other states as well already? Well, that, that question was asked, and, and I don't know uh, where the answer is. My recommendation would be to uh, poke the chairperson for campaign elections, that very question, Janelle Branchin. And if not her, um, then you would go to the speaker to ask him to check with the special counsel, because that's something that I put a press release out on. Um, August 11th was the day. It's on my press release, uh, in my press release folder on my website. You can see it. Um, I, I I don't know what to, to say about where we're at. I don't believe any data was captured. And to, to subpoena machines, which I heard was just done recently by the special counsel, I believe it was for that reason. But I heard those subpoenas were held up in court too because they're being argue, argued as not legal. So the whole judicial side, by the way, of this bothers me because everybody's always throwing up blocks. And of course, even if it does get into a, a, a court related matter, it can be appealed and appealed and appealed and that, that runs off the clocks too. So that's why, again, reverted back to doing something tangible like reclaiming our ballots. So we got to hold cheating accountable somehow and I thought that was a tangible move and I still do. Anyway, I don't know what else to tell you, but uh, there's other people you should poke to get answers on that. And I would recommend Janelle Branch and Andrew the speaker. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next we have Allison Nicolay. Allison, go ahead. Allison, you just have to tap, tap your blue button to talk. There we go. Good, e good evening, everybody. And Representative Ramson, thank you so very much. You've given everybody a, I'm going to say, big shot. And Allison, you're breaking up. Yep, we lost. I thought it was me. Yeah. Um, we've all been watching Arizona and the lack of movement and all of a sudden from behind uh, uh, here comes Wisconsin. I'm the one of the leads. Can you hear me? You're fading in and out. You're breaking up pretty bad, Allison. I apologize. You know, Alice, if, 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 if you if you leave or leave the chat, oh, sounds a little better. 
you know, Allison, you might want to leave the chat and come back in and we'll definitely I'll click you back on. Said persistence or patience, I forget. Persistence? So That's me. There it is. But I, I'm sorry. By the way, it reminds me. I, I think I called you patience before. I'm sorry. I meant persistent. But anyway. <laughs> Let's well, I'm patient. Too. I'm patient, patient too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm impatient. So. <laughs> okay. Let's see if she got back in here. There she is. All right, Allison, give it another shot. All right. Your mic is unmuted. Okay, is that better? Can you hear me? Is that better or worse? We can hear you. Awesome. I want to thank you for your efforts, and I know Michigan, Ohio, and Missouri. I'm running three states worth of audit information. We're looking at things, that, items that honestly, your PowerPoint. Uh, could be a template for us to use. I, I've heard that, and I, I know that. Am I still good? Yeah, I, I've heard that, by the way, and I know that it's been used as a template, and I'm honored. Um, the data points might be different, but the structure is sound, and it's, it's something that can be used all 50 states. And by the way, no charge. I appreciate everything that you've done. One quick question for you. Um, do you believe that if you were to go to the local level with data retention, in other words, start an investigation at these local uh, county level, that you would be able to secure a TRO against data deletion? Yes. Yes, I have a bill that actually is extending the deletion date by, um, I believe it was six months, if not 12. I think it was six months. Uh, but also to qualify the necessity of that information would be necessary to to do a temporary um, order to prevent it. So I, I agree with you. I think it's a good question. That's why I did the bill. I don't know where the bill's going to go. And again, it's legislation has to be signed to be acted upon uh, with a governor that doesn't like to sign anything that, that reveals truth, you know, there's very little hope there, but I got to try. So that bill's out there. Okay, next we have N. Thank you again. Um, I have a, another question for you, Representative Rantham. Um, so with kind of time being uh, ticking on the clock, I suppose, uh, we've got primaries coming up. And, um, I, I, you know, like we've got AGs saying no drop boxes, yes, drop boxes. And then, you know, you've got a couple key players like governor candidates. One of them's being, um, endorsed by the representative who uh, moved your staff around. So how do we, as Wisconsinites, like, if we can't fix 2020, we really can't move on. And, you know, there's a lot of key players on the um, primary ticket here. I mean, it is a primary, but that's still equally important as 
2020. And it is interesting how um, uh, Trump's executive order for election integrity was still, was actually extended from uh, September 12th. That was extended by um, Brandon in the residency there. Um, but with, you know, you uh, Gruesome Newsome was recalled, but then he quote unquote won. Well, I don't really trust that. And then they say that there was a red wave in Virginia. I don't really trust that because if you look at Yunkin, he's actually funded by the Carlisle Group and the Carlisle Group is actually funded by BlackRock and Vanguard, which is CCP backed. So like, how can we move forward with like, you know, it's important to vote, but at the same time, our votes not counted for. So how could we ensure in like uh, less than a month that our voice counts. Well, your question strikes a nerve, and because this is what was stated as a possible uh, ramification for doing nothing, and of course the individuals who think that you know you are a fringe voter and you're irrelevant and and it really doesn't matter and it'll be okay and hey Tim, if you stop talking about it, it'll go away. Uh, your your question qualifies the possibility. Um, I, first, the first thing I got to tell you at all, and I, I know it's tough, but I and I thought the same thing myself for a while, and sometimes I think I still do. But the worst thing we can do as citizens of this country and this state is to not vote. If mm -hmm. if you don't vote, you will make matters worse, and you'll perpetuate exactly what some people may want. So that's the worst thing we can do. Um, the, the the thing I think that's going to be different in the primary case for the spring elections here on, on February 15th is uh, people are going to be watching a lot closer and it's not a presidential election. So I don't think it's going to be quite apples for apples, although the ability to manipulate um, voter outcomes still exists, in my opinion, at any level, whether it's a, a small spring primary or uh, a fall general election for a president. Um, there's still the, the factors that could could be in play, but I don't think it'll it'll be as much of a, an impact. So to make it worse would be to not vote, and to help make sure it doesn't happen is to watch closer and ask questions and make sure that everybody's held accountable. But I, I don't know what else to tell you, uh, and because you're right, nothing releases announced lack of movement on leadership part. You know, let's pull the electors back. Let's do something to show that it did matter what happened in November 2020, uh, so we can put people on notice. Um, and, and, and the legislation they're pushing for now, I think most of them are to legalize what was illegal in 2020. So I'm very apprehensive about this rush for some of these last second bills. We don't have a report from the special counsel, by the way, this just hit me as I'm talking to you guys. We know the, the legislative body did not receive a report from the special counsel which is a requirement prior to any legislation being forwarded by the legislature uh, and to justify the $676,000 in expense. So here we have these rash, uh, a rash of bills coming down. It's got to be double digits. I'm thinking 10 or 12 of them. Uh, Senator Bernier's on several of them. Whether there's goodness in some of the bills or not, why are we taking action before we got a report from the special counsel? So there's a lot of questions about this whole thing. That that concerned me. Now these bills. By the way, I'll digress for a moment. I, I don't know what else to tell you, Ann. I, I think we you don't to not vote. It's a bad thing to vote and keep an eye on. It is all I can recommend at this time. But I want to make one more point while I'm thinking about it. These bills that are being talked about right now and discussed in committee, starting with Monday in the Senate, 
um, if they come to the assembly floor, uh, I, 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 I can't see taking a position on them. I don't care what's in them. I don't like the mechanics of last second backdoor shenanigans. And I, I just have suspicion about some of the elements of these bills. So I will not be voting for them. I won't be voting against them. I'm just going to be an NV non vote. And that's only a, a recorded when it's a roll call vote. If it's a, a voice vote, which some of them probably will be probably most of them. Um, th then you got to send a letter to the clerk and express your your position, whether you're, you're a yes or a no or a non vote. And I'll be doing that too, because I don't want to participate in this last second, you know, situation. Anyway, I got winded again. A lot to tell you guys, but uh, and I don't just vote. Please vote and and keep an eye. Hold people accountable. Ask questions. That's all I can suggest for the spring elections. Hopefully, we'll have some more actions taken for the fall elections, uh, for the the gubernatorial. Um, race as well as the other constitutional offices they're all coming up in november and they're all very important so in, stay engaged for now next next we have sally sally go ahead just tap your blue button Sally. Okay, we'll go on. Um, Riley J. Hi, Representative. This is Riley from Wisconsin. Um, I just want to first of all thank you um, from the bottom of my heart. You've set off a spark in so many states. You've gotten people riled up and and fired up and engaging people that are starting to lose hope. So so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, and so there was two things real quick. One was there was a news article about uh, an envelope, a manila envelope that you received. Um, are they still planning on taking up your bill or is this mysterious manila envelope what the response that you're going to get? That was my first question. Um, first of all, thank you for your compliments. And your comments regarding my actions, um, I would ask that you would give all glory to the Lord. Um, it's, it's his will and following, uh, number one. Number two, the en envelope story. Uh, can you clarify that? You actually read something about an envelope or you saw a comment somewhere? Was it a story? I have to find her in the queue again. Hold on. Riley J wants to speak. Yeah, I need to talk with her. There she is. Riley, you said there was a story that you're talking about a media news article. Hold on one second. I will find it for you. Um, I was just uh, read that you received some Manila folder with. Um, I mean, I'm, said, I, I'm very curious about the source. Where, where, are, you, where are you reading this? Um, it says from exposure. So that would be Marcus D. Oh, OK. Well, that's that's fine. OK. Um, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I just wondered if it was like the, the Milwaukee urinal Sentinel or something like that. I, that, that would, that would have been really interesting. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the letter I sent to representative Steinecke last Friday asked for qualifying his evidence that justified calling my resolution illegal and unconstitutional. The uh, Manila, uh, the Manila envelope came to my office on Wednesday afternoon, the day I asked for feedback by. And it came via, via courier. So the sergeant's office physically walked it over. 
And inside the envelope was a copy of the uh, Legislative Council uh, memo from last November that basically said the, uh, the resolution was invalid and unconstitutional. That was in November before the constitutional attorney rebuttals that said what they said was wrong. So all he did was regurgitate old news that hadn't been evolved from over time and also confirmed with me that he never read my press releases or my uh, resolution or my my 71 slide PowerPoint qualifying my data. So they're hiding behind uh, the false veil of protection given from a dated memo from legislative council that doesn't apply to the issue anymore. And um, that's what he's using for a reason. So I challenged him today uh, in a press uh, release to say, you have control of this matter, have a hearing and call in all these legal people and have that discussion. And whatever way the chips fall, they fall, but have the discussion, exhaust the option and close out the matter. Your legacy depends on it. We'll wait to see what happens. Uh, that that uh, press release went out this afternoon. He's got two, three weeks to do it. We'll have floor sessions the third week of February yet. There's time for him to do the right thing and get it done. So let's hope it happens. So that's my answer to your question. Okay, next we have um, Sally. No, wait, Heather was next. Heather? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Representative Ramtham, this is Crazy Car Chick from up in the North Woods in Wisconsin. <laughs> I figured you might remember. Um, I have a question for you. I want to know if emails count towards um, towards like when I complain to the other representatives or senators. Do the emails count or do they only count if they're phone calls? Well, that's a very good question. Very interesting question to me. Gosh, I, I'm not exactly sure what to say. Every email that comes into my office, even now, short staff, is, is uh, addressed and answered. And every phone call is as well. Maybe not as fast, but we're getting to it. I don't know what you mean by count. Um, it depends on what the legislator asks their staff to do regarding retention of information that's question-based, that's action-based. I I don't, um, what, you know what counts is, is sitting down in front of the legislator and getting in their face and telling them what you think and feel about something. That's what counts. And to get an answer to your, or if phone calls or emails count in the way you'd like them to. I don't think they do. So if you're looking for results, the best thing is one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know what else to tell you. Good question though, Heather. Next we have Sally Forrester. Go ahead, Sally, just tap your blue button. Um, hello, uh, Representative Rantham. I just want to thank you. you. It's such an honor to have you representing us in Wisconsin. Um, so thank you for your perseverance and your bravery in this matter. Um, I have a question with the recent exposure with the ERIC system and how corrupt that is. 
Um, I know Megan Wolf is basically in charge of the whole thing. I don't know if there's any actions being taken. I know your your plate is quite full, uh, but is there anybody doing anything to get rid of the Eric system? I know in Louisiana, they recently decided to kick it out. Um, and with all these illegals coming in, they're automatically being given driver's licenses, which is all you need to get uploaded into the Eric system, probably one of the many reasons they're bringing them in. So just wondering if you could speak about that for a bit. Well, uh, just for a moment, I couldn't agree with you more. The Eric system is part of the problem that it perpetuates in our country and it affects 31 states right now. And Wisconsin's one of them. I would also tell you that uh, Arizona is one of those states. And if you follow anything that's going on in other states, Arizona had um, a legislator who wanted to put for a GOP legislator who wanted to put forth a GOP controlled um, house to um, allow for that body to reject elections if fraud was uh, evident and there were concerns about an election. And the GOP uh, speaker assigned that bill to every single committee in that body. Now, that's unheard of and unprecedented that you put a, a bill number and assign it to every committee. What it does is it buries it and pretty much kills it because there's no way it's going to go through process because every committee has to hear it by definition of being appointed to bill. Um, that in, in, in Louisiana pulling, pulling away from Eric, um, I, I brought up the Arizona element because, you know, if you think about this, NCSL is part of the National Conference of State Legislators. They're, they're a national organization. They were involved in what happened regarding some of our elections. I proved that in my Let There Be Light number five press release. Uh, Arizona is also part of that, um, has that organization in their state as well. So who knows what the genesis of some of these new actions are that continue to bury things to hide um, these matters. But Eric should be uh, addressed. I have initiated the bill to withdraw um, Wisconsin from Eric. Uh, it's on my desk. I, I don't remember if it's if it's done and presented for co-sponsorship or if it's, I don't think it's been presented for co-sponsorship. I'm probably going to run out of time on that one, but at least I want to get the question out there that we have a bill to pull Wisconsin away from Eric. So that's my answer to your question. There's a lot more going on, but I couldn't agree with you more. It's a problematic environment. It was uh, set up to actually keep border records clean and it's doing just the opposite. So we need to pull away from that. Next, we have Riley J. Thank you. The uh, question that I had was about Eric, so my question was answered. Thank you so much. Next, we have Heather again. Go ahead, Heather. Go ahead. My question to you is, do you have any slides similar to what you did for the uh, resolution slide, but something that's shorter, that would be more like a, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say a slap upside the head for some of the people who are very much in the dark right now, where I can't get them to read a 72 page slide yet, but I want to get something that can catch their attention. Well, um, you know, it's unfortunate that you have to customize logic and fact to to be comprehended by someone who all they need to do is take time to look at it. But um, I, I think I would just suggest that if there's pertinent slides within the 71, you would just pick out the ones that resonate the most with you. I would also suggest that they would 
I, I, it's a time thing, but how, how do you how do you show evidence without taking time to look at it and hear it? But those the, the March 10th campaign elections, the September 9th WEC meeting, the December 8th campaign elections, those elements are great inputs to see that uh, fraudulent activity occurred and it's discussed and shown. The slide presentation from the December 8th Wisconsin, uh, excuse me, the campaign elections committee is very powerful stuff. And that's part of the slide data as well. So to your point, it, it's a great question to your point. That's one of the purposes of my slide presentation. We took elements that had been exposed over time and consolidated that into a presentation. It climbed up to 71 slides, but you know, they're not, it takes seconds to get through some of them. They're not like full blown slides. Some of them are graphs and pictures. Some of them have words on them. It's not like you got to spend five minutes per slide. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I think it comes down to if someone's genuinely interested to know truth, they will they will you know work to get it and, and look for it. If they're not, it doesn't matter what format you bring it to them. They're not going to care. They're not going to look at it. So maybe you need to find a different audience to get you know the truth out. You know, there's only so many times you can lead a horse to water, right? If you can't make it drink, it won't drink. I don't know what else to tell you, but it was a good question. Next, we have David. Go ahead, David. Can you hear me now? Yes. Ah, wonderful. Tim, I'm really uh, thankful for what you're doing for our state. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm, I, uh, my letters aren't working, my phone calls aren't working, and we've made the decision to come down to the Capitol. Uh, and so I'm uh, kind of funny that you mentioned that tonight, but um, I would like you to talk about voting a little bit. I'm not going to quit voting, but I have trouble voting for these people that don't listen to you and they call themselves Republicans. I voted Republican for my whole life and they're not listening. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Well, <clears throat> our founding fathers set up our process to be every two years for a reason. Uh, for for uh, state legislators for the lower house, they're all two years to my understanding. The upper house, upper chambers are four years. Same with Congress. I got to run every two years as a an as assembly rep in Wisconsin, just like uh, Congressman Grothman does for for the U U U.S. House of Representatives. Every two years, there's a reason for that. The re representative levels are the closest to the people. And if you got somebody in there that's not doing the job, you're supposed to get somebody else in there. I think that's by design. Uh, it takes someone to run against somebody. There's this apprehension about running against an incumbent. Um, I, I, I don't care about challenges. I was challenged in my primary. It was a four-way contested primary. It was partisan, that's true, but there were still four people. I still won. Um, I think, uh, um, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself when I vote. If someone's running uncontested, I usually don't vote for that. If someone's running that is from my party, but I'm not so sure I support that, I won't vote for it. That's what I do. I don't vote for the other party. I don't want to help that because that's that's like you know a double whammy. But I don't know what else to tell you, uh, David. The the duty falls upon the person to serve and if they don't serve they they earn the right to be primary they earn the right to be challenged they earn the right to be defeated um when you give money to parties it filters back to these people 
Uh, here's an interesting comment for you. Uh, if I heard correctly recently, the approval rating for Congress, which is federal, is 20%. Give or take a couple of points. It's 18, 19, 20. Let's just say 20 for round figures. The re-election rate for those same people is 93%. So how can a group of people who are who are measured at 20% approval rating get get a turnaround of 93% success in re-election? I don't know. I don't know how to explain that other than perhaps <laughs> there's there's a election voter manipulation or people just get so fixed on voting for the name that they're familiar with and they forget that they're allowing that same thing to stay in that position. Um, I, I don't mind challenge. I, in fact, I might be looking for challenge here in the near future. I, um, I believe everybody who's, who's held accountable keeps their edge sharp and serves for the purpose defined by the role they're in. And if they don't, they should be at risk. Um, it's up to the people to make the difference. It's going to take more than one. It's going to take tens of thousands. It's going to take hundreds of thousands of people. So, and maybe that's what we have going on in our country right now in our state for sure. Wisconsin has been very vocal with their patriot groups. This group right here, the grassroots groups, they are not sitting idly by and they're going to allow the status quo to continue. So maybe we're at a, a turning point in our elections process. I did make that comment in caucus one time when I told the group there's a paradigm shift in politics. It's not the same as it used to be. You can't campaign the same way. You can't fundraise the same way. I, which I hate doing, by the way. I don't. I give money back. I, I get people who donated money in the past, and I gave it back to them because I wasn't asking for it. I didn't ask for the money to get the job. I just wanted their vote to get into the job, and so I, I, I gave money back, which surprised a lot of people, by the way. Um, I, David, we could talk for an hour. I just think, bottom line, it. It's going to take time for the evolution of change to affect the people who don't serve. And uh, I'm never going to be one of those people, by the way. As soon as I start to think that or feel it or do or do it, I'm out. I'll step out for the good of the people and for good of our republic. I will not perpetuate um, failureship in doing my job. I want to be uh, have leadership in my job and, and achieve things for the people. So that's my comment. Again, I'm real scenic tonight with you guys. I've never met you before. I wanted you to know a little bit more about me. And hopefully some of these long answers give you a little bit more of my character and where my heart's at. Um, and this is one of them. So thanks for asking. And David, what I would say before persistent goes on to the next speaker is one thing I took from South Cashel. If you go to any of the GOP meetings or whatnot and you ask them what is their plan on fixing the 2020 election, um, I know a lot of patriots that I deliver to because I deliver full time and a lot of them have been going to GOP meetings and when they bring up the 2020 election, these guys shut the meetings down or they ignore them. Those are the guys we have. We have to stop funding them point blank. If you're not serving us, we are not serving you or we don't want to we don't want you representing us. Sorry, persistent, but I just wanted to say that. I get the impression we're wrapping up for the night. Yeah, persistent. Is your mic screwed up or? Speaking of mic, what? why don't you take over? Oh, there she is. <laughs> I'm here. So um, we'll go with John W. next. 
Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. All right, great. Uh, thank you, Mr. Ransom, for taking some time this evening to answer our questions. I had uh, an observation and a question, and I'll keep it brief. Um, my observation was in the announcement last week that uh, Pelosi is running for re-election. Uh, frankly, that scares the hell out of me because I don't think that she would ever come back to be in the minority. And at the same time, whether it's on the left or the right, I don't really see any politician who is conducting themselves in a manner in which would lead you to believe they are afraid of being voted out in the next election. That's my observation. And my question was, on most conservative circles, we are being told to get involved locally, to become uh, poll workers, poll watchers, any way that we can get involved in the process. And while I agree with this and think that it is very important, I am also concerned because, you know, just like in Wisconsin, you have Democrat strongholds like Milwaukee that you're just not going to get people into. And the same with Detroit and places like that. And if these machines truly are as vulnerable as I think some of us are worried that they may be, they only have to have access to one computer anywhere in the pipeline to do what can be done. So that's my question is just, you know, it, how how do we how do we deal with that? I mean, it, it's it's great to get involved, and I think it's important. But if it's true that you know they only need to hop on one thermostat in one counting room and connect to one poll pad to change the outcome, I just don't know how we can avoid that. Thank you. Well, I. Thank you for your your point, your your comments, and and I think there was a question in there. I I agree with you. I liked everything you said. You were spot on. Um, it's it's superficial to suggest that if we throw people at the situation, it's going to get better. There's more than just personal execution in this process. There's chain of custody. There's the machines. There's the maintenance of the Wisconsin uh, voter list uh, that's allowed to be seen and touched by. 3,138 people, at least for the 2020 election. We have uh, 72 county clerks and 1,852 municipal clerks. That takes you right to about uh, 1,926 people. Why do we have 3,138 people that have access to the database? So there's gaps and concerns and holes around process all over the place that throwing people at isn't going to fix. Um, but incrementally, Perhaps, if you try to embrace any level of improvement in process, you start anywhere you can. And the one of the easiest places would be to put more people in to the front lines to help observe and to help participate to ensure that nefarious acts don't happen. And, and that is probably not a bad thing. So um, I guess I do agree with what you said. However, I would suggest that anything's better than nothing. And again, to not vote would be dumping gas on the fire of negativity as well. So 
make sure you continue to participate in the process. I think it's quite probable that because there's so much indifference and deflection and denial um, and, and looking forward because, you know, hey, it'll, all, it'll fix itself, yeah, whatever, um, that it's going to take time. We're not going to be able to to resolve the situation cleanly. Obviously, for the spring elections in 2022, most likely not for the fall elections in 2022. Um, anybody on the ballot in 2022, myself included, perhaps, um, is vulnerable to having the vote total for the seat that they're pursuing uh, a question mark. So uh, my my goal would be: should I be on the ballot in November to uh, do all I can to observe and, and, and question and analyze after the fact and validate. Um, that's going to help reveal, you know, maybe trends in cheating or or uh, issues that are serious more in nature that need to be resolved quicker. Uh, I think the next governor for the state of Wisconsin will need to be um, a Republican slash conservative. In fact, let me let me backpedal on that. Hang on a second. I'm not going to say what I think the next governor of our state needs to be a conservative patriot. That's what I think. And uh, if we don't get that, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, but it certainly will bode better if it's not going to be to uh, have the same guy that we have in there now return. That would be detrimental to the state of our state, in my humble and professional opinion. Thank you for your comment. Next question, please. All right. And we will be having John Jonathan Wickman joining us. He is running for governor and give me liberty. You are up next. Thanks for letting me ask another question here. It kind of a, a bunch of questions just all wrapped in one because I don't know the answers, but they're all kind of connected. Um, Representative Rantham, do I know you guys take some sign of oath, um, some sort of oath when you get sworn in. Is it is it posted somewhere where the public can read it and relate it to the oath. Do you, um, all the politicians have to have like surety bonds and be insured to abide by the oath that you take? Um, we're, we're kind of looking into that with the, the school boards and stuff. And it just gave me, you know, I'm just thinking about with other politicians and branching out along that angle does that make any sense well, well it does I, well a little bit anyway the surety bonds you said um, yeah as it relates that, to like an oath that you would take right. when you're sworn yeah. in that's something that's relatively new to me i heard that recently uh, is there a financial element associated with that too is that the same well thing? yeah i guess the, the, yeah. Okay. the locally here yeah 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 same, same subject so I, I don't know how that part fits into it I, I took the words of, of of upholding our constitution as as enough reason to um, to to do my job according to the constitution. I have pocket constitutions in my office. I got a whole bunch here at my home, and and the Wisconsin constitution as well as the U.S. constitution. I'm constitutionalist, I suppose, at heart. Um, I don't profess to be um, um, a guru at it, but I do know that uh, that's where the heart of our democracy lies, and that's what we should always uphold to retain our democratic republic. Um, I, sh I, I shouldn't have said democracy, by the way. It's a democratic republic, um, and I want to uphold our republic to the constitutional levels as defined. But as far as the surety role, uh, uh, bonds, or other surety bonds, and the monetary thing, I have no idea what that means. I don't have any idea if it affects me at all in my role. 
um, I, that that's something that came new to me like within the last week. So I don't know what else to tell you on that one. I'm sorry. So. All right, uh, Timothy Rantham. Whenever, because uh, I know you're the busiest man in Wisconsin. Um, if you uh, are running out of time, please let us know. And Sally Forrester, you are up next. Hi, thank you for taking my question again. Just to touch on two points that the admin and uh, Representative Rantham had spoken about just a little while ago about how Jim Steinecke says that we're fringe and we're there, there aren't very many of us. I happen to know one of the chief of staffs of one of the representatives who has told me that a lot of these representatives they're not able to go out and do the public functions that they used to do um, because they are getting hammered by their constituents with phone calls, emails. They're being served with notices. Um, you know, they're being confronted about all of this, the, the, uh, the situation at hand. But his observation was that these people seem to be more terrified, that is the word that he used, of Robin Voss. Um, they don't seem to care about the constituents. I don't even know how many emails I've sent. I basically get ignored or I get gaslighted. But I'm wondering if you have any thoughts to share on them being terrified of Robin Voss and completely disregarding the constituents. Thank you. Well, fear, favoritism and funding are elements of concern that I have about how the legislative process currently works. I don't fear anyone there. I don't work for anyone there. I work for the people. Do others have fear that they might not get an office they want, or they might not get a chair that they'd like, or they might not get on committees they want to be on, or are they worried that uh, the favoritism element of being in the inner circle and so they can have fun and get along, or or the funding element, you know, the, it's time for running for re-election again, right? So, hey, I need some help. I need some help. Can I get some help? So there's funding support that comes so people can stay in the jobs that they have. It, it, it exists. The point is accurate. The origin of that problem is accurate. It's a management style that I've come to learn very well exists during my second term. And it's a catalyst for the re one of the many reasons why the, the practical reasons to pursue election integrity are very clear. But that other condition, that negative element of being in the body is a catalyst for making sure that I stay focused on the people. Because I said when I campaigned, I'm going to go to Madison. Madison's not changing me. I'm going to change Madison. Because I knew even before I got down there that there was rumblings about how things went. And if you didn't toe the line right, you know, you were you were punished. You were retaliated against. Well, I'm the walking poster child for that right now. And you know what? I'm quite fine with it because it, it's it's proving that concern to be true. 
So along the way of serving for the people, I have sacrificed myself, my reputation, my credibility within the capital, by the way. Uh, outside the capital, I apparently walk on water. I'm a rock star. I'm all this. I'm all that. I work for the Lord, by the way. He gets all the credit. I'm just a vessel. But I will tell you that I, I don't have apprehension about being attacked in the capital. I think it's it, it's a it's a defining moment for understanding the environment you're in. Um, I would never do to them what they do to me. But I and I continue to to blaze trails forward for truth because that ultimately will set us all free. The truth sets everyone free and it clears the record of all issue. Truth, truth resolves. Okay. Um, your your comment was spot on. The conditions you express concern with exist. I agree with you. Um, doesn't change the way I work. I won't conform to be that norm because I don't work for them. I work for the people, and that's what makes me different than all the other reps. And if I run for re-election, if I don't run for re-election, if I run and I get challenged or don't get challenged, I don't care. What matters is I'm in the job, do the best I can. I'm desperate to do it, not desperate to keep it. And nothing matters to me what happens to me. So I have no fear. I don't know what else to tell you. I, I came down to make a difference, and uh, I'll continue to blaze trails. Um, and I just wish others would, would know that they're part of the problem because they enable that behavior to continue to exist down there. And that's a huge statement for you to remember. The members contribute to that by enabling it to, to continue, and that needs to stop. So there, there's issues of concern about maybe an individual who does it, the management by fear and the, the, uh, the threatening retaliatory behavior. But when the body allows for it to happen, as long as it's not me getting yelled at or having my staff taken away or being belittled, or they don't seem to care. But when it happens to them, that's a big deal. Everybody should stand up when someone's attacked in a room and say enough's enough, but they don't. They didn't when I was attacked viciously on the 18th of January. They just sat there. Some of them even perpetuated it and threw in, you know, uh, character assassination bombs and profanity. And I was even cussed out. The Lord's uh, the Lord's name was used in vain on me in that room that day. And that that's where the paradigm shift happened with me. I made a decision that day. And you'll be uh, you'll be hearing about it pretty soon, you guys. So it's an environment that needs to be improved. It's not me causing the problem. It's individuals, uh, certain individuals, and it's enabled by the majority of the body because they want to retain their seats. It's not their seat. The 59th assembly seat is not Tim Rampton's seat. It's the district 59th district's people's seat. And I just happen to be the temporary tenant holding it right now. I don't know why everybody's desperate to hang on to something that they don't own. It's not it's not the right mentality for the, the job, and it, it prevents them from becoming servant-oriented. They don't have servant mentality if they're worried about retaining something that, that isn't theirs. Um, and there's nothing prestigious about the job, in my opinion. Like I said earlier, if you work hard and focus on the job, it's a lot of work. Uh, I'm a rep. Yeah, big deal. I work my butt off every day. You're right, Mike. I am the hardest working. Uh, legislator in Madison right now. Been like that for quite a while, by the way. I was on uh, two out of three speaker task forces in the summer of uh, 2019. I uh, was on six standing committees that were the busiest committees in the building. I was very involved, even in my first session. That's the way I like it. I want more. 
because if I have more chance to do more, more can get done. And there's an opportunity to make a bigger difference because time is an enemy and I don't have much time. So give me as much as you can in a short period of time and I get it twice as much done in half the time, I'll be happy. So again, a little winded, sorry guys, but that, that question touched a nerve by the way. There's a, an operational element uh, existing uh, in Madison and needs to be uh, eradicated. So we'll keep doing what we can to do our part to serve the people and uh, let his will be done. Thank you. Yeah, trust me, I know you're the hardest working person in Wisconsin and I I appreciate you so much and uh, I'm honored to have you on here. And Allison, Nikolai, you are up and Robert, you are on deck. Thank you. Senator Ranth or Representative Ranthan, I just want to let you know the ultimate judge is not man, it is God. And Bingo. from my bird's eye view, if you keep doing what you're doing, um, you will, you have to answer to him, not to others that are walking in the fear funding and favoritism circle. You're right with me. Now, my question to you would be this, is there anything in Wisconsin law that prevents uh, counties or election clerks from disallowing use of machines going forward? Not to my knowledge. I believe the decision for machines is local at the county level, perhaps even at the municipal level. Um, it's, a, it's a learned behavior that's been entrenched and people think that using machines automates the process. Perhaps it does to some degree, but I'll tell you, it's not worth the trade. Ballots, one-to-one, -one, paper only is the way to go. It's the gold standard. And uh, machines should be um, allowed, to, should be removed from our process. And I know that I was talking with some of my staff uh, about a, two months ago before I lost one of them. Um, and we had a conversation about machines. I don't recall where we went with the decision to try to address machines being taken out of our process, but it's a possibility. And I know when I talk around the state, uh, a lot of people would like to see machines removed from the process because it seemed like the problem got a lot worse when machines were introduced and, and they're right because within the last two decades when machines started to become prevalent in our elections process, uh, that's when a lot of the problems started happening. So the local level, by the way, to your answer, it's not a state law. And to my knowledge, they don't have to have them. They choose to have them because I think they think it helps automate things. That's my answer. If I'm wrong, please let me know. All right, Robert, you're up, and ID for Truth, you're up next, or after Robert. Good evening. Thank you for having us, sir. Um, I've been making a lot of calls uh, just in the past week here regarding, um, like, the ERIC system. And... Of course, your uh, was that a, uh, J, Joint Resolution One Twenty, and I was surprised at the the level of ignorance for one thing, but then there was there was a few of the office uh, assembly offices I talked to, they both made the same comment. Well, actually, there was more than two, but that you they wanted to speak with you one on one, but you wouldn't meet with them. And I 
told those officers, if that's the case, let me know, and I will do what I can to facilitate that. And, of course, I never heard back. But it's just curious why, why, I mean, it it almost seems like it's it's just the, they've all come up with just with one story that they stick with their with their with their line, yeah. And it's, it's like, like, of being outside of the outside of the norm here. Yeah, it's it's like the comment I never show up for caucus. That's crap. And I'll tell you the there was a when I walked in the door and I think it was nine around nine or nine fifteen last Wednesday. What would that date have been? Twenty sixth. The 26th of January, I came up the elevator, was on the phone talking to um, a friend, not a constituent, but a friend of mine. Um, and I turned the corner to go to my office and there was four or five, I think five legislators standing outside my office door. I said, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, is my door locked? And he said, uh, no, uh, but we wanted to come and see you. And I said, okay, come on in. And I opened the door and my halftime staffer, Aaron was there and my, my office door was closed. I said, what's going on in my office? She said, well, the prayer group's in there. Oh, that's right. The prayer, there's a prayer group that comes from, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, on the town. Darn it all. It's a uh, Waterford area. Um, it'll come to me after the call, I'm sure. But anyway, they come up and they pray for myself and Janelle Branchett every Wednesday between 9 and 9.30. And they usually get my office around 9.30. Well, Janelle came up to my office and they were praying with her. Well, I walked in my office to bring the other staff, the other members in, and I and I realized that I couldn't at that moment in time. So then we said, well, let's come back at um, 11.15. Uh, There's a committee hearing. I got a bill, and after that, fine. Well, the committee hearing had an exam, and then it had hearings afterwards, and everybody was involved for the most part in that session. Nobody could break away. We were on the same committee. One guy was testifying. We could get back together. I reached out back to the representative. It was Representative James by the way, uh, from the 68th Assembly District, good friend of mine, good man. And he was trying to get some of the guys uh, from the group. Paul Tittle was there from the 25th, Michael Shaw from the 53rd. Sortwell was there. I don't know why he was there, but he's from the 2nd Assembly District. And um, I don't remember if there was anybody else. There could have been one more rep. I forget who it was. But anyway, um, yeah, they tried, but we couldn't at that moment. We tried to reconvene it. It didn't work out for any of us. And when I reached back to Jesse and said, hey, can we get back together? Can I at least talk with you guys one on one? And he said, well, I'm in the district this week. And that's as far as it went. I made a call to the 53rd rep, Michael Shaw, and he never answered me. So um, I will categorically categorically tell all of you right now on this call. That the effort to talk to me has been little to none. And in the one case last Wednesday, I've been working on this for over a year, ladies and gentlemen, right? So in one case last Wednesday, uh, you know, a week after I was uh, uh, ridiculed and assassinated in, in a caucus event, you know, there's an attempt to talk to me. I don't know why, because, you know, they pretty were cl- pretty clear in that meeting that week. But uh, I'd be happy to talk with them about it. It's just that there was no announcement for it. It was one of those, I call them ambush or drive-by meetings where people just want to jump on your schedule and say, hey, come and talk to me right now. I'm sorry, I can't. If I could have, I would have. But I couldn't, so we didn't, and then we didn't ever get back together, and I tried. So that comments like that uh, fall shallow with me. It's deflectionary, and it's, it's and it gives them a sense of that I can use that now for a while until it wears out. 
and going to caucus meetings. I, what's the other full uh, face lie when I didn't lie? Everything's backed up by fact and truth. So I guess when when you um, successful people focus on ideas, unsuccessful people focus on people. And my focus has been to do the right thing for this process. I don't worry so much about the people element. They're, they're spending more time, you know, name calling me now and, ex and excusing their lack of engagement and trying to jump on uh, criticizing me if I don't come up with an answer like, do you have a, a piece of paper that has a specific piece of paper that has Robin Voss's signature on it that says he authorized the use of drop boxes? And so for 10 seconds, I paused to answer the question. And I said to the to the requester, by the way, this is related to your question. I'm not sure if I have that type of form. Oh, then you shouldn't say that, you know, he had something to do with drop boxes. That makes you ought to be a liar. Well, I do have a form. It was written, it was signed off rather by the represent the legal representative of Robin Voss, uh, former Senator Scott Fitzgerald, majority leader, and Megan Wolf, representing those people saying they authorized the use of drop boxes. That's a legal document that has essentially his signature on it, not the specific signature, but his signature through his representative, his legal rep. And if that was not a legal document, then why is that document being used to sue him for criminal charges on Monday the 31st? There's a, there's a citizen in Wisconsin who has filed a formal lawsuit against Robin Voss, uh, uh, former Senator Scott, uh, Scott Fitzgerald and Megan Wolf for criminal charges for allowing drop boxes, which broke uh, state statute. So I have the document. So I guess my point is they rush to judgment to, to discredit my efforts because they don't want to believe it. They rush to judgment to discredit me because they want to look good in front of the speaker. And, and all they need to do is sit down and look at the data, look at the resolution, look at the legal constitutional attorney memos that qualify and legalize the effort and action to take this reclaiming the electors. And they'll they'll be where they need to be to do the right thing, but the previous callers and, and pre previous people on this call that that question are they looking at the data? I don't believe they are, and evidence proves that, including uh, the, the majority leader who did not look at the information and basically gave me back the same thing that we all saw back in early November, which doesn't hold water anymore. The situation has changed. So, uh, another scenic answer, but this is a sensitive element, ladies and gentlemen, because. They they don't come back with evidence or proof. They just make accusations. I have comments that are backed up by data that qualify the point that justify the question that you can't argue. There's a big difference, and I won't change my process because that's the only way you survive in this environment. You know they act like the media. You know they take words and throw them at you and try to get it to stick, and people believe it. I don't lie. I don't lie. I, I tell the truth every time I put something out, every time I say it's something, it's backed up by data, there's a reason for it and it's accurate. There's nothing to uh, argue there. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm kind of running out of gas on that one, but I'm doing the best I can. This environment is very um, indifferent and hostile. And uh, I guess that's what you get when you try to change culture. Absolutely. And let me not get to Scott Fitzgerald as he got my vote. And when I seen he voted yay for that red flag gun law, ooh, wee. Uh, he definitely will never get another one. Um, ID for truth, you are up next, boss. And uh, we had a couple people left off, but ID for truth, you're up.
ID for truth. Your mic is unmuted. Hi, I'm sorry about that. Uh, good evening, Tim. How are you? I'm so happy I should be twins. Nice. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, that the Walworth County GOP um, in caucus last night uh, experienced essentially a microcosm of what you're describing. Um, the individuals, uh, we presented uh, a mirror resolution of AJR 120 um, instead of the legislature taking the action and imploring the legislature, uh, we just switched the, essentially the, be it resolved that the Walworth County Republican Party uh, instructs, demands, and implores um, the Wisconsin legislature. Um, and the people who didn't vote for it or were hostile to it, uh, when asked if they had even read it um, or even were aware of it, uh, none of them raised their hand, including the legislatures, all of the legislatures um, from the Walworth County uh, constituency. Um, so it did pass. It passed by two votes. So I want to let you know that um, we the people are with you down here and we're we're only growing in strength. Um, and I don't think that you walk on water, sir, but just understand that uh, we, the people, are closest toward God, um, like the Constitution and is, is constructed in common and natural law. So uh, you're operating on grace and mercy, and you, you've received a covering uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit and the blood of the Lamb. So you're covered, man. Uh, we, we care for you greatly, and we appreciate you. I feel it every day. Thank you very much for your your comments and and I know a lot of people out there pray for me and I feel that as well. Um, it helps. It helps more than all of you know. Um, I, uh, but I have to continue to uh, to blaze trail, blaze forward, and and for truth. And so, sorry you had to experience that microcosm. By the way, welcome to my world. That's where I like to be, man. In, in the crosshairs. <laughs> my new best friend. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you for your time um, and just know that. So there's three or four county parties now that have yeah, passed so, resolutions. So yeah. did, did you see the Iowa County expression from uh, Bill, William Neal? I haven't read it. No, unfortunately, I haven't. You should read that one. It's uh, quite incredible. You really should. It's uh, quite incredible. So, Well, I'll get with it, um, but I appreciate your time tonight uh, and keep Keep moving forward. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. Heather, you're up next. You're up. I just wanted to say thank you, Representative Rantham. And I saw that, or I listened, I should say, that you were on with Meg this morning. So you got an early start this morning and you're getting a late night tonight. Um, the time frame for the resolution, I'd like to know how close, I guess, how close are we to being blown out of the water and having no chance of going forward? January of 2023. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, and I also, wanted to, I also wanted to say that you are making a difference tremendously. Yeah. Your staff is making a difference. Janelle Branton is making a fantastic difference. And, um, I'm still on the fence. I don't know what to think about Justice Gableman. He's doing an honorable job. And so I hope that he comes through for We the People. 
We we need more um, to, the, to, the, to the latter point. Um, there's been an investigation now for seven and a half months. It's overdue for results from that. Um, and we don't have it. So I'm not really sure what to say that I like Mike a lot. I really do. He's a fantastic gentleman. I just don't agree with the the non-disclosure agreement that was created between him and the speaker that really should have been a position aligned to the campaign elections committee and it should not have been a gag order on the individual the people should have been hearing what he was working on now there there's a comment like well when you're an investigation you don't tell people where you're going to go and what you're going to do because then you reveal what your plans are and then they can you know prepare that that's different that's different i i think if you take an action on machines maybe after you take the action you report on it here's what i'm doing here's why i'm doing it here's what we hope to get out of it same with with process maybe with personnel there's no communication whatsoever so i don't know what to say about the latter point as far as getting things done uh, i know janelle's been running some very strong uh, campaign election hearings not enough of them in my opinion um, and i say that w with uh, grace and with with respect I wish there would have been more of them because the ones she had were really good. You know, March 10th, the December 8th bookends, they were really, really strong. And a couple in between were, were good too, but they weren't consistently good. And of course, there was a lot of uh, deflection and obstruction from the speaker to not let that uh, happen better. And of course, holding back on her subpoenas, that should have been rectified and redone within 24 hours. They never were redone. If they weren't written right, they didn't follow the right statute, then he should have said, oh, I can't sign them because we'll fix it, come back, and then we'll fix it. We'll make it go, right? There was never a genuine intent to, to make it go. So that kind of stuff's been going on all summer. So I, I just wish there would have been a little bit more effort to push those through. It would have helped um, answer some questions, and it maybe would have helped me from having to get so far into the weeds. But I got this whole presentation to the point where it's used as a tool, not just in Wisconsin, but across the nation for having a discussion. Um, but the people that need to hear about it aren't wanting to have the discussion and they don't read it. It's, it's very, very, very unfortunate. And that's why they don't support it. They don't get on the bill because they haven't read it. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, uh, thank you for commenting on Meg this morning. Yeah, I went on and I had need to go back there too because there's unfinished business in that arena. And Joe Giganti and I are talking. He wants me to come up real bad, perhaps as early as Monday. So, um, Stay tuned for coming attractions, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be interesting. I got a lot to say. All right. The Patriots, Tristan Jones, and then the French farm wife. But the Patriots, you're up next. Hi. Thank you so much. Um, Tim, I don't have a question, but, well, I do have a question. But first, I want to say thank you for being the warrior that you are. And, um, my my question isn't really about what's going on because <laughs> I can see what's going on, but I need to know um, my prayer journal right here. So I would like to know what your prayer request for us to pray for you. And of course we know Janelle's there in the background too, but your our prayer request for you, what can we pray for you for? Well, you humble me with your, your inquiry. Um, not in particular order um i i i would like to have prayers of support for continued discernment for continued 
strength and conviction. I would pray that and ask for prayers that those who are in a position to actually make a difference choose to do so, starting with the majority leader, chairperson of the rules committee, soften their hearts to look beyond ego, um, stubborn attitude that uh, they don't want to admit that perhaps I was right. They've been wrong all along. I don't know if that's the problem. Uh, you know, you get so far down a, a rat hole of, of mistruth and and uh, injustice that you almost look foolish admitting that you were wrong because you should have known it sooner maybe. I don't know what, what the fear there is, but I, I've never been on the wrong side of this fence. I know in my heart. And and yet I think some people have been, and maybe they're afraid to admit it, so that's slowing them down. So pray for them to to see the light, to soften their hearts, and to, to do the right thing for the people. This is a legacy moment, not just for Representative Steinecke, but for the entire legislative body. It's a legacy moment. This is bigger a thousand times bigger than act 10 was in 2011 because this this affects our future as a nation our republic is is on the line and the elections process has become a selection process and that's detrimental to our republic it's not just a wisconsin issue it's a national issue we've got to get people to that are in positions to make a difference realize that and to do something about it and let go of the, the greed or the, the arrogance or the ego that keeps them from releasing their grip on the seat or what comes with it and and do the right thing. So that's what I pray for. And I would like people to pray for that as well. Um, I'll be fine. It doesn't matter what happens to me, whether I'm around, whether I'm not, you know, they can yell and scream at me. Uh, I don't really hear it. I get numb to it. I honestly got, I don't remember a lot of stuff that was said that one particular day. I do remember Hearing enough to know that it was a paradigm shift within my body, within my heart, within my mind. There was a ma major shift, and I realized that I needed to do something, and I'm I'm going to do it. So buckle up. Stay tuned for coming attractions. There's more to come. Thank you for your comments, and I appreciate your prayerful support. Tristan Jonas, you're up next. And the French farm wife, you are on deck. Is that Jonas or Johannes? Johannes or Jonas? Can you hear me? Well, there he is. <laughs> how's, it, how's it going, boss man? Uh, it's going quite well. Better now that you're with me, their patriot partner. <laughs> there were a couple times where I wanted to chime in, like, oh, yeah, what about this? Um, but I was the staffer that, uh, you know, was forcefully taken out of Tim's office um, and then assigned to Steinke's office, and I resigned. Um so I could come back to keep fighting with Tim. Um, but the one thing that sticks out of my head um, when they were talking about like simplifying the presentation, um, I think a good tool that is um, could still be used is the rumble accounts, the Ramson reports. Um, there's quite a few episodes in there where we hit on some of those campaign and election committee hearings and um it is all like video based evidence and, and sometimes people consume content better when it's, when it's through video. 
so I would highly recommend checking out the Ramson report and using that to kind of get people that might be on the edge, um, especially where you've got a WEC member that says, well, we're telling clerks to break the law and we've got it on tape. Um, that's huge. So there's that. And then um, now there's so many things I wanted to say and they're all, you know, but the one thing that I would really say is this needs to be a movement of by and for the people. So if there's one thing you could do, um, it would be reach out to five to 10 of your family members and, and educate them. And if everybody did that, um, you would create a more solid movement and awareness that could really help us push things forward. And that's kind of what I got. And there will be some pushing required in the very new future. So that's a really good suggestion. Thank you, Tristan. Yeah. The fringe farm wife, you're up next. And Don, you're after her. She's back. I'm back. Tristan, thanks a lot for that. That um, It kind of made me chuckle, though, because I don't know, in the fringe, you guys are probably a little bit outside the fringe, but in the fridge, fringe, not fridge, in the fringe, it's really difficult to reach out to 10 people around you. I mean, we've, all of us basically, have, what was that? No, that was a mic that op accidentally opened up. Go ahead. Oh, well, anyway, it's it's just difficult to um, get people that aren't already in the fringe in the fringe. They, I mean, it's it's tough. I know you know that. But anyway, my question, or not really my question, earlier someone had brought up the bonds, um, and I just think it's really important at least to figure this out because um, – when you have, uh, we have a small, well, fairly small um, group of um, people in Green County, uh, which is in Southern Wisconsin, that, you know, we get together, we have meetings. I mean, we really, we've talked to our sheriff, we've gone to school board meetings, we, we do whatever we can um, locally, and have um, just recently come upon this bond thing. And what what it what it was explained to me is anyone that is elected is bonded, and by bonded that means if you were let's say you were a carpenter and you are licensed and bonded, you are that makes you accountable to doing the job you say you're going to do. So everyone that is elected is bonded by a certain amount of money. So that if you do not do what the people, we the people, want you to do, or especially in a legal sense, like our constitutional sense, I should say, um, then we can hold that bond accountable to that person. So we, we've been doing that like to our sheriff and our, um, let's see, like our township. Um, board members are all elected just to put them on notice that they have to look into this election fraud. They have to go to their superiors and their superiors have to go to their superiors and it goes on up. But my question is, why do we, why can't we just skip that and go to people like Steinecke that are not 
um, doing what their, you know, what their job is according to the constitution and even looking at this fraud when there's proof that he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Why can't we hold him accountable on his bonds? If I can just jump in for one second, CP, thanks for explaining it better than I did. So the, I guess the whole point from what I'm hearing in my little world is you can sue the insurance company that's um, that that's written these bonds um, against the people not doing what they promised to do. It got quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this is Tim. I'm not exactly. We talked about this earlier, and I, it, was, it was new to me. Um, I don't really have enough information on it. Uh, I think whether I'm bonded or not, I'm dutifully obligated to serve. So um, when people were uh, delivering affidavits on maladministration to members in in the Capitol, I didn't get any um, because I, I'm not the, the target of that sort of uh, accountability factor. Um, if this bonding element is a leverage point for the citizens to use against elected officials, including myself, if I wasn't doing the job, then I think it should be executed. It's a tool there for a reason. It shouldn't be ignored. So get some more information on it and, and use it. That's my, That would be my recommendation. All right, Don, you are up. Uh, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Yes, sir. Oh, oh man, Representative, I've, I've never done anything like this before. So I have to say first, I, I really appreciate you doing this and being so accessible. I've, I've followed uh, pretty much everything you've done, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. So I, I just, I guess I have two questions. Uh, the first is for the, the folks hosting this. Um, I, I apologize. I just got off work a, a few minutes ago, jumped in. Is, is there going to be a, a place where we can listen to the, the representative and, and what he was saying? I think you guys have been going now for two, two and a half hours. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, two, two, two hours and four minutes. Yep. Oh man, <laughs> this is all recorded and it will be shared on the wall. So absolutely, John. Great, great. Uh, well, my my second question is for the representative, and I, I'm like I say, I just I just got here, so I'm sorry if this has already been been kind of covered. You guys were just talking about it. Um, I, I read your media release on my break earlier, representative, about Mr. Uh, Steinke, um, the rules committee guy, and and I guess um. Do we do we think he's going to do anything with with uh, your resolution? Have you you heard any response to what you just sent him? I mean, it seems like you've presented your information to him twice. I, I suppose there's three questions there, but I apologize. I like I say I'm a little nervous, but would love to know sort of what you think is going to happen next. Well, uh, any responsible person who realizes they're in a position to make a significant difference to a national issue, I would think would want to rise to that occasion. I wish I were him. I wish I were in his place right now, right now. I wouldn't want to have been him all along the way because it's not been helpful and supportive. But if I was given a chance to make a difference in the way he can right now with having hearings to bring to closure the questions, the mystery, the conspiracy about this issue, why don't they embrace that? If it's stubbornness, if it's ego, if it's, if it's a, you know, I don't want to admit that I was wrong, and I, and I already said publicly that end of story, and this isn't going anywhere, and 
you know, sometimes people just can't uh, retract that. Their their pride gets in the way, I think. So we'll wait to see. He's got some time. And I think if people call and suggest strongly that he really take a look at what he can do, not just for Wisconsin, but for our nation, his legacy could be something that he never envisioned possible if he did the right thing right now. That's my answer. So it's on him. And we'll see. He's got time, but not much. A couple of weeks. Thanks for well, asking. The last thing I want to do is get you tired out because you're the only one in Wisconsin fighting for us. Um, how are you looking at on time, Timothy Rantham? Well, uh, I never did this before either. And so I guess I would ask a question in response. Normally, when you do these kinds of things, how long do they go? Well, it depends. Uh, we did um, an hour, two hours, but it, it all depends on you. Um, I really don't want to tire you out. So it's two and a half hours. Does that mean I set the record tonight? You pretty much broke our record. We had Bishop, <laughs> Bishop Larry Gators on here. He did about three hours. Um, but, yeah, you're pretty much breaking a, breaking the record right now. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I'd like um, – I'd like to suggest, first of all, it's been an honor to be here, and, I, and I'd like to continue. However, um, maybe it would be better if we just regrouped and tried it again in the future. Maybe we could pick up with talking points regarding what might happen with the, the uh, resolution in the Rules Committee. So maybe we'd come back at this in a couple of weeks, and maybe there'll be some more to talk about in a couple of weeks. So I would suggest we do that. Um, so, for the sake of for the sake of your listeners as well, because some of the people it's been averaging eighty plus, if not ninety something, for the whole duration of time, and and I I got to thank them all for whoever came on in the beginning and stayed on till now uh, with me. Thank you for that. And uh, you know how to reach me. We can do this again. I do have Bible study tomorrow at seven thirty. Then I got to race over to Sheboygan. They're having a very important caucus meeting that is also going to discuss a resolution that includes elements about election integrity and it has listed in there uh, the action to uh, pursue AJR 120 and to follow uh, with the, my request to reclaim our ballots. So I want to physically be there because the other three members of the legislature, which would be Senator Devin Lemahue, he is the, the ninth Senate district um, senator and he's also the majority leader now for the for the Senate this session as well as Representative Tyler uh, Vorpagel from the 27th Assembly District uh, in the Plymouth uh, area and Keel and all that, as, as well as Terry Kosma. Uh, he's the 26th representative from the southern part of Sheboygan County. Um, they're going to, I think they'll be there. And quite frankly, I'd like to uh, see what they have to say about it because uh, here we are dealing with a county party that wants to take an action that they haven't supported all along. So I need to be there in case they need to uh, have a debate. And um, I think I should probably say two and a half hours is enough for the first time. I don't want to wear out my welcome either, Mike. Come on, you know. So no, you, 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 you can never do that. <laughs> but you definitely need your rest because we need you in that uh, boxing ring and uh, we don't need you tired. Of it's it, it's a twenty four seven job, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I if I'm not physically involved in something relative to emails or phone calls or or reading materials, 
um, I, my, my mental capacity is focused on action items and and tasks that I have to do. And uh, it's a constant, it's, it's a constant role challenge. And I'm not complaining, it's a statement. I signed up for it. It's part of the servant role that I'm in and I'm honored to be in it. Um, however, um, I would appreciate uh, better to come back another time and you can advertise it and maybe we'll get uh, more than 80 people on next time and we'll have a better discussion and have something really cool to talk about. So. If you're okay with that, Mike, I'd like to suggest we uh, wrap it up for the night um, for everyone's sake and uh, we'll reconvene in the near future. Uh, okay. Oh, absolutely. Uh, tomorrow we will have Lieutenant Governor. He's running for Lieutenant Governor in Texas. Um, he's a patriot uh, endorsed by Seth Keschel. So um, I'll touch bases with you on Sunday and we will definitely touch back. And uh, like I said, I appreciate everything that you're doing. And I'm honored to have you on here. And um, this is very important. It's just very important for us to unite, us to ask questions. And it's a blessing to have a patriot like yourself. And I'm honored. Thank you, Timothy Rantham. Well, my pleasure. Uh, before I do go, though, let me just ask, um, is there anybody in the queue for a question? I don't want to leave anybody stranded. All right. We have Give Me Liberty. And then CP, and there's a couple hands raised, but we can just go to Give Me Liberty and CP, and then next time we can continue on with the others. Let's, let's do that. I, I want to yeah, thank you for that. And, and certainly, if you had a question, I don't want to cut them off. So let's uh, kind of like if you get in the voting line before 8 p.m., you should be allowed to vote, right? So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring them on. They were patient along, along. Bring them on, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity again. I wanted to address the, the individual that talked about getting rid of the machines and the paper ballots. Um, I've been following Professor David Clemens for a long time now, and um, I think this question came up, and his suggestion was to go to our county executive, not the county executive, I'm sorry, the, the county board of supervisors, and he said, like all you need is three votes to to get rid of the machines at the county level. So if you want to do something local, I would I would suggest for everybody to to look into that and and talk to your county board to get rid of the machines because that is I think the most important thing right now. We got to go to paper ballots. Um, Tim, what you said about you know the um, fear favoritism and. Um, funding you hit the nail right on the head i mean that's from the local level to the national level i think those are the three things that affect everything and they don't have a servant's heart like you do they they want that position they want that power and so god bless you and you know god is on the side of truth and god is on the side of freedom and you're a willing vessel to do his work and um i believe in miracles so i'm looking forward to uh to what you got up your sleeve next. Um, God's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you all the wisdom you need to do the work. So thank you. Well, I work, I work for him and, and, uh, and thank you so much for your comments. You, uh, you humble me. Um, then in the next one, please. CP, CP, is the caboose on, here on the line? Yeah, yeah, we saved the, we saved the best for last, right? I don't know about that, but you know, I had a I had a statement that I wanted to further this idea about the county uh, machines. 
because that's a great idea. I think you've opened up a Pandora box in Wisconsin. But Rise Up uh, Wisconsin had a thing today where they were going to put all the voter things in four states, you know, for public display in the, in four states. Of course, it will never fly in Wisconsin with a Democratic leadership. But that's a great idea. And I think also on the voting, you know, that we should have, uh, you know, votes numbered and also a cryptic number on there where everybody who voted could go out on the Internet and see their vote if they put in their, their cryptic number. All these things are not going to follow through in Wisconsin with blue leadership. But I thought you opened up a Pandora box with the idea of getting those 72 counties in Wisconsin, most of them are red, to not use the ballots so we could concentrate on the graft on the green county or the the blue counties. That's that's part of the that's part of the, yep. that's part of the what? Logic. Yes, that's the, the the most effective tool, and I hope you advertise that and make that public. That this is a possibility. There's nothing against doing that. Go to your county board and and move them to do that. You know, at this point, this election process has tanked for over two and a half decades. It's going to take time to resolve it, and that's one of the many things we need to do to get it resolved. So resolution. And, and the ballot and machine stuff that's all that's all part of the options part of the uh, the front burner focus points it's going to take time sadly it's going to take time uh, because logically you think you should be able to address something that's uh, dysfunctional quickly but that doesn't happen in the case of this process because so many people are involved and they don't want it to change so it's going to take a while to get it changed but anyway that's that's part of the logic and Timothy, just yes. one more uh, for the win is very interested about your event. And for the win, go ahead, ask your question so we can let Timothy Rantham get some sleep so he can fight for us tomorrow. Hey, Tim, if you could just briefly tell us about what your event in Kiwaskam on Saturday is about and if it's open to the public. The event. I'm having uh, is to bring to light uh, some information I want to share with people from my district. I'm having it in Kiwaskam at the high school auditorium. Um, it's it's fixed seating, comfortable chairs. Um, it's got a sound system. It's got projector systems. There's some information and presentation I'd like to give to the public at that time. Yes, it is open to the public. The more that come, the better because it's going to be a banger. So if you can come, please come. If you've seen this flyer, 510 Bilbo Lane, you can't miss the high school. It's on the north east side of town. It's uh, really easy to find, and uh, the auditorium is quite nice. So why don't you come and let's uh, see how see how it goes. Will do. Thank you, Tim. And uh, thank you for your time. And like I said, I'm honored, and we definitely will touch bases again and do this again. And we stand behind you 100%, Timothy Rantham. Mike, you're a real treasure. Don't ever change. Thank you for making this a wonderful, enjoyable first time on Telegram chat. Never did it before. So 
Now I can say I'm a seasoned veteran because of you. Thank you, sir. Good night. You're welcome. Good night. And God bless. God Thank bless. you. Bye, all.